to be a part of the community to help um, influence some of the change or just be a part of what is taking place or try to have some voice. I think everyone, if you can make time to do some small part of that, you should. Mm -hmm. You should want to do that in your community. It doesn't need to be serving on a board of directors. It could be volunteering at a soup kitchen or just helping a neighbor that needs, Mm -hmm. you know, someone to check in on them every now and again. I just think that's part of what we should be doing as people, period. This is the 40 Lessons Podcast. My name is Todd B. Waldo. Thank you so much for checking out 40 Lessons This is the last episode in this latest season, and I am excited here for episode 48 to welcome to the podcast, Anidra Bourne. Anidra, she is a wife, she is a mom of two, and she spends her days over at Venture Richmond as their deputy executive director. Venture Richmond does a lot of cool things downtown, a lot of cool things for our city, Two Street, Folk Fest, just just to name two. Uh, but really cool people at Venture Richmond. And so we got a chance to sit down and talk about her life and her journey to Richmond, her family. So I'm excited to share this with you. Uh, she's also the board chair for the Northside Family Y. So once you hear this conversation with Anidra, stay tuned because I got to tell you about what's happening over at the Northside Family YMCA. So let's get into it. Conversation with Anidra Born right here on the 40 Lessons Podcast. So for those of you who don't know this woman, uh, Anidra Born. We are in this super fancy corner office here at Venture Richmond. She is one of the great women that lead our city. And so thank you for sitting down in this hot office. Thanks for having me. It's a corner office, but it's hot. Well, it's an unseasonably warm (laughs) winter-ish day. It's okay. It's okay. But thank you for doing it. Maybe I got layers. So I'm doing the, you know, the sweater and the shirt. And all the layers, but it's fine. It's all good. It's absolutely fine. Uh, I am I am super curious about a few things. Um, the first one is, and maybe and forgive me if you told me this, but I don't know the answer to this question. I don't know where you were born. Like I don't I don't oh. know. I was like, where was she? Where is she from? I don't remember where you were born. Where were you? I was born in Annapolis, Maryland, and spent most of my life there before heading to Virginia for college. Where'd you go to school? Hampton University. <sighs> Go the, Pirates. The real HU. The second HU. What? Real to us. <laughs> but we do know that the other exists. HU. We know it exists. We know it exists, but right. they were first. Okay, but how you can you? can't not give honor. Can you keep your Hampton card and say? Absolutely. Do you say it's the real HU? It is the real HU to me, but it is not the first HU. And I think I'd be wrong to say otherwise. But every, I mean... A historically black college, if you have the opportunity to have that experience, <laughs> it doesn't matter if it's one of the HUs mm-hmm. or any of them. It is a time in your life unlike any other. That's very kind of you. Now, did it's you true. Know, did you know I worked in Hampton before I came to Richmond? I did know that. Yes. So now, you know. I know. But I was, I mean, I was, and I did not go to an HBCU. Mm-hmm. I went to a PWCU. <laughs> and, but I was next door to Shaw, St. Aug, and we all just hung out together. Right. And then everyone just goes to A&T's homecoming because it's A&T's it's homecoming. homecoming. Absolutely. Uh, but that idea of Hampton being, and the pride of being, like we are the, 
you know, so. We are the HU. The HU. So just, it was very kind of you to, well, you know, acknowledge yes. that there's another one out there. Well, I, I spent 12 years in Catholic school, so I was one of a handful of faces of color for mm-hmm. my formative years. So yeah. I did not want that for the years of college where I was going to become more of myself yeah. and specifically chose Hampton, the only school I applied to, the only school really? I wanted to go to. Yes, really. I wish now I had done a little bit more and yeah. just to see where else I could have gone. Yeah. But it was the right choice for me regardless. Were your, were your parents college educated? Did they go to college? They were college educated. They also went to an HBCU, Bowie State Univer- what's now Bowie State University yeah. uh, in Maryland. And both of them went to Bowie. Both of them went to Bowie, met there, oh. fell in love there. And oh. both my grandparents were professors there. My paternal grandparents were professors there. That's a there. lot of higher ed in your family. On that side, yeah. they were they were all college educated. Both my grandparents and their siblings and my mother's parents were not. Um, mm. They both had, uh, my grandfather, I believe, had a high school education and my grandmother, only elementary, never finished high school. Okay. Did get an equivalency later in life. but. So your, your, your parents were, so when you're born, you're in Annapolis. Correct. Okay. Siblings? One brother, younger. One brother. Was he already there or you were first? I'm first. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So you show up. What are your parents doing? You have your college-educated Bowie graduate parents. What are they doing in the world? My mother was a school teacher for mm-hmm. over 40 years, elementary school. Most of that time spent in second grade. Mm-hmm. My father was a government employee. He was a human relations officer. So he worked within the community, but um, dealt a lot with everything from racial complaints, um, civil rights issues, mm. um, housing, equity, long before it was what we know it to be sure. today. Yeah. With very different resources. Very different resources. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Were you the, um, I'm trying to imagine, I, I, when I'm around you and I interact with you, um, I'm trying to imagine you like as a like five, six year old <laughs> and the kind of things you were into as a kid. Mm-hmm. Like what, were you a good child? I imagine you were a good child. You didn't cause trouble. No. And you were just, were you quiet and just like, I can imagine you maybe sitting and reading and being quiet and reflective and just and so polite and so kind. A little bit of that. <laughs> That's not a bad thing. It's a wonderful thing. Wonderful um, thing. I was into art. Um, I like to draw and yeah. take art classes, um, which I probably don't do enough of the creative side of mm-hmm. me. Um, always played sports. Um, Love to be in athletics. Everything. Was, did you have one or two that you? I finished playing lacrosse. I was a goalie in high school, okay. so I played lacrosse from eighth grade through. Uh, 12th grade in high school, okay. um, but I played soccer, uh, basketball, softball, mm-hmm. swam, not swim team, but swam recreationally, yeah. but we were busy, always were, busy. Now, were your, was that a push from your, from your folks to just kind of get involved, do some sports? You know, was that their push or was that something that you... I think we enjoyed to do it. My yeah. brother and I both... Um, enjoyed being active my parents mm-hmm. my mom grew up playing sports my dad a little less so he was more the creative um but i mean our entire family played sports my parents played softball i remember going to watch them play softball as a kid when they mm-hmm. were adults so yeah. just being active yeah i forgot about my dad so when my dad was still living he played softball he worked for dupont okay and it was some men's dupont you know softball league kind of thing mm-hmm. Uh, I forgot he did that. I forgot watching him play. He wasn't, they were not good. They were not good at softball <laughs> at all. Uh, but I played baseball. Oh, okay. As a kid, I played Little League. And okay. and that was, it was cool 
watch, watching my dad be bad at softball because I was not good at baseball. Okay. And so that was a cool little connection that we would have. Okay. Watching him play. Yeah. Uh, lacrosse. So let me ask you, do people play lacrosse south of Maryland? Yes, but not as much. Because find like, it more in the north. It's a northeast thing. It yeah. definitely has its place. It's growing here in the Richmond region a mm-hmm. little bit, um, more in club teams, and then at a lot of the private schools. Um, but it you'll find it at colleges south of Maryland. But mm-hmm. it's truly, from a youth perspective, it's definitely Maryland and points yeah. north. Why lacrosse? Um, I played basketball and mm-hmm. softball in middle school and our high school at the time my catholic high school did not have a softball team okay so the gentleman that was my middle school basketball coach said hey i coach lacrosse and mm-hmm. since you're not going to have softball in high school you know i'll train you if okay. you want and i said okay and he's like and i don't have a goalie so how about <laughs> we train you to do that and i did and i loved it yeah i loved it i barely played on the field i mostly played goalie and okay. i enjoyed it thoroughly were you in the kind of community that always pointed you to, like, you're going to college? I can imagine that's true, since you yes. had so much, you know, so many examples of what that looks like. Was that always kind of the, always the plan, we're going to go to college and have a career? Is that yes. what you thought you would do? Yes. I absolutely knew college was it. There wasn't really a question. There was no if you're going to college. It was where are you going to go? Mm-hmm. Um and so I don't know that I ever gave it a second thought. Um, Annapolis was also a military town. I mm-hmm. originally thought maybe I'd go to the Naval Academy, and I quickly realized that was not college. That is a military academy. It's very <laughs> different. Yeah. Um, but yeah, college was always it. I don't think I knew what I wanted to be. So it was a matter of going to college, taking my courses, and mm-hmm. then figuring it out. And I still don't think I figured it out until I was out of school, mm-hmm. which was fine. Yeah. Did you feel pressure? have to figure that out i felt pressure to find a job okay not to figure out what my path was going to be um i thought maybe i would be a teacher like my mother Mm -hmm. um and i worked around kids a lot but my mother encouraged me to look at something different um i came from generations of educators Mm -hmm. um but i think my mother knowing my personality knew i was not meant to be in an office or in a building Mm -hmm. all day every day grinding and doing the same thing. You have to have a passion for it. Yeah. If anyone knows anyone that's an educator, you have to have a passion for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was not what I decided to do. And I thought I would write for Essence and I realized that's probably not what I wanted to do long term. Mm-hmm. And I happened upon tourism by accident to some degree. You stumbled into it. Stumbled into it. What was this, what, what tripped you up? How'd you stumble? Um, I moved back home to Annapolis after college and got a temp job working for an advertising company who needed, uh, they were bringing in a lower level of um, kind of admin team support Mm -hmm. for the ad reps. And I took that job and ended up working on a tourism account for the Visitors Bureau in Annapolis. And maybe six months into the job, they realized that they had hired that level of admin assistance too fast and they lost a big account. And so they had no money to pay those admin levels. And so I was let go, but I was able to go and work for the visitors bureau who I'd been on the account for. And after a couple of weeks, they said, do you just want the job? So that's how I stumbled into it. That's good. Yeah. Were you, 
that feels like a bit of a hustle. Like feels like a, I, I'm going to get something. Like I like it. I'm interested. Mm-hmm. Did you go? Like did you say, hey, visitors, bro, if, if you're looking for somebody, I mean, I can work for you. Well, they actually had lost their PR person at mm-hmm. the time, who was a classmate of mine from high school. Ironically, coming back home to the yeah. hometown, um, and. They just needed help temporarily because I had worked on the ad account. They knew I was already familiar with their materials. Mm-hmm. I'd been writing their newsletters on their behalf. So they brought me in to not have to have that learning curve. Mm-hmm. And a couple weeks in, they said, rather than actually advertise to hire, if you're interested, we'd love to have you. Yeah. And that was it. And it was my hometown. So I knew the product. I just had to know it to promote it from the perspective of someone coming to visit it, mm-hmm. not someone that lived there every day. How long did it take? Or maybe not how long or maybe when. You, you, your mom was was astute enough to pick up on your passion not being education. Mm-hmm. Did passion show up for you? Where you said, "Oh, oh, yeah, this is this is how I'm built. This is who I am. This is what I love." Like, did the work help you to discover what the passion is and I what you think? So, what's I, in you? I think it was. I enjoyed being around people. And it wasn't the same people every day. So you had the colleagues in the office, but Mm -hmm. my role was to work with travel journalists, bring them into Annapolis and the surrounding county and tell them all the wonderful things there were to do and experience and where to eat and, Mm -hmm. you know, what sites to see and that type of thing. And that I enjoyed because I wasn't sitting at my desk all day. That was part of it, part of putting their itinerary together, part of navigating them around the area was work. I was getting paid for that. I was getting paid to walk these brick-laden mm. streets and introduce them to, you know, seafood restaurants mm-hmm. and, you know, eat free on the tab of the business because that's part of what we were supposed to do. So that coupled with the writing, which is what I wanted to do and enjoy doing, mm-hmm. um, I think that's where I found the passion yeah. was was being able to promote something that I genuinely believed in and found interesting that's to good. someone else. Was it good going home? Like that was a, it's good being back. Because, I mean, someone from high school, I never run into anybody from high school. Mm-hmm. I went to high school in Jersey, so it would be really weird and sure. odd to, for, that, for that to happen. College, a little bit. Just, right. Or at least we went to the same college. We might not have been there together. How was it going home? Like, to be back, was that a good thing, just to kind of come back and be, I guess, near family and folks that you've known for a good part of your life? Absolutely. It was great. Um, my grandmother, my dad's mom, was within walking distance of the office, took me a half mile to walk, the same route that I walked in elementary school, going to her house wow. after school. So yeah. that was fantastic. My father's office building actually happened to be right behind where my office was. So we would meet and walk to lunch. Um, That's sweet. Uh, so yeah, from yeah. that perspective, it was great. Um, and it was a great to be fresh out of college and not be worried about being on such a learning curve to do your job well. So I think going mm. back to my hometown yeah. and knowing a lot of the culture of what people came there for, mm-hmm. Um, for visiting, for recreation, for tourism was a lot easier than having to go to a different destination and really catch up on all the things there were to do and see. Yeah. I, and I don't know, I don't think I know very much about Annapolis. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been, but I don't know much about it. The The challenge of trying to describe Annapolis, mm-hmm. how similar is it to the challenge of describing a place like Richmond? Um, I think you have, a, you know, similar threads in history and timing, different um, maybe centuries of focus as mm-hmm. far as the meat of the history of the mm-hmm. city is. Um, challenges over generations of yeah. integration, segregation, 
equity, you know, people fighting for rights of those that lived in their cities. So from that perspective, it's, not the same it's you know, all very American and very yeah. East Coast. So mm-hmm. from that perspective, not so difficult. Yeah. Um, but beautiful. I mean, beautiful landscape, walkable city, mm-hmm. small scale, yeah. um, you know, historic and suburban and urban, all those things. Do you draw on some of that? Like, do you draw on what it was like to kind of bring people into a city, highlight its very good things mm-hmm. and all the things that make it attractive and why you want to stay there, why you want to spend your money there, mm-hmm. but acknowledging its place in history? Do yeah. you pull on some of that for the work that you're doing? Absolutely. For this place? Absolutely, without a doubt. Yeah. And, and even here in the work that I've done since I've lived in Richmond in particular, um, it's very similar. You, you, you brush up on what the historic points of interest are you Mm -hmm. learn that but i think the intricacies of those deeper conversations not just the surface history the dates the places that type of thing but the people behind the history the people Mm -hmm. that lived then and and in richmond in particular i think even more than annapolis is why does that history still resonate today yeah do you think that's richmond's we're not the only historic city but there's history resonates differently here i would say so it's and 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 maybe Maybe it's a lived experience. I don't know if you visit and that happens. But like for mm-hmm. folks that visit, like you you are with people who are coming for the very first time or uh, first few times. Does it resonate with them? Like do they kind of get a sense of history is just maybe a little different in Richmond and connects to the present mm-hmm. and impacts the present maybe differently than it does in other places? Do visitors and folks who are fresh to this place get that too? Possibly so. Maybe not as much as living in it every day. Yeah. Um but I think you can feel some of that. Absolutely. It's in the, sometimes I talk about the, like the bones of a place or like it's, there's something, there's just something in the fabric of Richmond that you are. Um, it reminds me of when I was in um, the one nice trip that I took, I took to Paris. And I remember walking by like a castle. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's been there for a really long time. Yes. And then there's Starbucks. Yes. Which has not been there that long. Correct. But they're next to each other. Right. Right. And Richmond has that similar thing of, oh, that's where that battle took place. Oh, that's so-and-so's house Mm -hmm. and -and so-and-so street. Oh, and there's a new startup that's here. Or here's this really cool place that's here. So we're intersecting both of those all over the place. Right. And it's a much harder history. Right. Or or housed in buildings that were X, Y, Z. Yeah. That tell a history all unto themselves in an area or pocket of the city that looked very different yeah. 200, 300 years ago. Did Annapolis lose its history the way we lost some of ours? Like, does it, does it have the, the Navy Hills, the Jackson Wards mm-hmm. that just kind of suffered through those really just bad decisions around where things are going to be and who can be displaced? I'm guessing it has some of, Absolutely. Some of that, too. Very much so. Yeah. Um, especially down in the historic area. I mean, the, the burbs are very different. Um, I mean, very much like the suburbs here in Richmond. Um, again, on a much smaller scale. Yeah. But definitely you have, um, you know, historic African-American communities that are no longer and you hear of what they were mm-hmm. or you see pictures of what they looked like. And now there might be a low income community there. So, yeah, very much similar in that yeah. perspective and no different than, you know, other cities that could be a little bit further, you know, northwest of us or north of us mm-hmm. or south of us. Yeah. Yep. How long have you been in Richmond? 17 years. So you got me by like a year, baby, mm-hmm. a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Very different Richmond. <laughs> it's a very, very different, different Richmond. Richmond. <laughs> so, is that good? Yes. Why? 
Um, I think it's an amazing evolution. I think we are in the middle of still a lot of evolution. Mm -hmm. Um, When we first moved here, it was uh, 2002. Mm -hmm. The convention center was being built. Mm. Um, So Broad Street looked very different. Mm -hmm. Um, The gateways coming into downtown looked extremely different. Mm -hmm. Um, Our first place here was in Church Hill, north of Broad, in the 2600 block. Mm -hmm of East Franklin, um, and the church that I belong to um, was North of Broad, 33rd and R, Holy mm-hmm. Rosary Catholic Church. Um, that whole North of Broad area is vastly different yeah. than it was then. The gym that we go to is up in that area, Church Hill, and I joke with many of the 20 to early 30-somethings that go to that mm-hmm. gym, I said, you all would have never even looked at a gym Mm-mm. north or broad you on 33rd. Come, you wouldn't have come here. You wouldn't have come past 25th. No. Nah. Um, and, yeah. and not just that, many people. That's right. Um, it was just very different. So it's been amazing to watch the evolution of the Broad Street Corridor, of downtown in itself, mm-hmm. um, of Richmond and the surrounding counties. I mean, the entire region is transformed in the 17 yeah. years that we've been here. I, I forgot about... That's a good marker for the convention center and just kind of mm-hmm. thinking about how different Broad Street was. My one, and I knew nothing about Richmond when I got here. Very, nothing. Um, had been in it a couple times, but just didn't really know it. My landmark mm-hmm. to get to 95 when I was on Broad Street was the old overpass by the marketplace. Oh, 6th Street Marketplace. Yes. That, yeah. But I would go under that. I was like, oh, 95 is that way. Right. And then it was gone. Like I was here one time. And it was gone. I, and the number of times I just went up and down trying to find that overpass. I oh, couldn't find wow. it. I was like, I don't know where it went. I don't know how to get back <laughs> to Broad wow. Street. I just have that memory right. of it being that. But when you got here, like it was it was just starting to It was here, but I don't change. remember. I remember 6th Street Marketplace, but it didn't hold a place with me because it was gone longer than it was here yeah. in my time here. Yeah. So... Um, you said we. Were mm-hmm. you and your husband both moving here? Was it a, all of you here? He was already here. Oh, he um, beat you here. He beat me here. Yeah. He brought me here. Um, it's his fault. It's his wonderful shout, fault. Shout out. We can't do this with shouting out. <laughs> My man, Jeff. <laughs> Jeff Bourne, who is a uh, good people. I think he also, so. He... <laughs> I, I would it's, like to think so. It's good. I mean, yes. he, he's yours. He's so I'm, I'm glad that you think he's, he's, he's good people. So he was already here. He was already here. Were he you already t- married and then he came or you or he brought you? He brought me here. So he was here. He had a job that brought him here. Okay. And then we were engaged shortly thereafter. So yeah. we, his transition here, I was always a part of. And then I eventually moved here once we married. Yeah. Um, and I loved it even then. I mean, I loved it when, you know, where we lived in Churchill yeah. had not much of anything because it was not Northern Virginia and D.C. and Maryland where we were mm-hmm. um, separately, but as a couple still. And I didn't mind that there was no beltway. I didn't mind that there mm. was no traffic. I remember interviewing for jobs and asking people, how much time do I need to allot for, <laughs> for, <laughs> for getting real? there? And they're like, what do you mean? <laughs> there's, there's no rush hour, yeah. you know, 10, 15 minutes. Everything and it was 10 15 or 15 minutes. minutes. Yeah. 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 I mean, even now, with the exception of, you know major end of day Mm -hmm. or morning travel it's really not that bad and cost of living is reasonable i mean so many amazing things that you just can't necessarily find in a city of our size let alone with proximity to as much as we can get to
Ginter Park, Northside. Northside. Mm-hmm. Uh, why'd you guys choose choose that neighborhood? Um, I think it kind of chose us a little bit. Okay. So we had had friends that lived in Northside, and whenever we would go visit, we just always felt comfortable and at home. Mm-hmm. I don't know that it, we had a particular area of Northside where we thought we would be, but we've lived in a couple different pockets. We've lived over uh, in Hammond Place, which is off of Brooklyn Park Way, Brooklyn Park Boulevard mm-hmm. um, area. Um, then we moved kind of over in the still Ginter Park area, but closer to Ginter Park Elementary. Mm-hmm. We were there for a minute and then purchased the home that we live in now, which is technically in Ginter Park. If you go by all of the <laughs> preferred <laughs> Northside boundaries mm-hmm. and, and pockets within yeah. Northside. Um, but we love it over there. We are love you, it. Have you, same house, different houses? Have you guys moved a few times? We've been in three different homes since okay. we've lived there. We rented in two until we could find the one that we wanted to purchase. Okay. And we've been in this one for almost six years. Or six years. Okay. It's got yeah. fresh paint. It does have paint. fresh paint. <laughs> it's going to have more fresh paint in the new year. I hope. That's good. Um, you have, and, and your husband, like you, you, you lead us and you help us think about how this city is shaping and developing. And, uh, I wonder how that adds some pressure. Like, are you able to just, some people I think can just live, they can just live and enjoy, but you've got like responsibility. Like, I think it's part of who you are, but I think Mm -hmm. it's part of your career too. Like you, Mm -hmm. You've got to think about this place and what it's doing and where we're headed. Like, do you, do you, is that pressure to you or is that, nah, I like all that. Like that's. Um, I think it's pressure and passion. I mean, I think, you know, we talked about the generations of family members I had that were educated and Mm -hmm. active and, and even my grandparents who didn't have college education were always active in their community. They were involved in their church organizations. They always helped out other families in the community. Um, My father's parents in addition to being educators, were extremely active in the civil rights movement in the Annapolis area in particular mm. with respect to sit-ins and integration and, and all of that. And my father and my mother both, as a school teacher, my mom and my dad in the county government, my father sat on boards of directors. So I see and have seen mm. the ways that they were always involved. And my husband, the same with his. So I think that my parents always say, God, you all do so much and you're so busy and you're always on the go. But I can't imagine coming home every day, the same time every day, Mm -hmm. cooking and cleaning and Mm -hmm. homework. We got to do that anyway. But to be a part of the community to help um, influence some of the change or just be a part of what is taking place or try to have some voice. I think everyone, if you can make time to do some small part of that. You should. Mm-hmm. You should want to do that in your community. It doesn't need to be serving on a board of directors. It could be volunteering at a soup kitchen or just helping a neighbor that needs, mm-hmm. you know, someone to check in on them every now and again. I yeah. just think that's part of what we should be doing as people, period. When you were taught that way. And it, and it got I think, I think yeah, I was modeled, modeled that way. That's yeah. why my parents laugh because the, I said, I'm, <laughs> I am who I am because you showed me that. But yes, when they were yeah, when they were in it, I don't think they saw it that way. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think there comes some pressure with it just because of the lines of work that we're in and the mm-hmm. communities of people we're fortunate to be around. But it's a blessing to be at the table and have some of those hard conversations and sometimes be the only one in the room having that conversation. Do you teach your, do you teach that to your child? Like, do you, do you think about, so you're, you said that, I don't know if it was this very active, purposeful thing, 
been it was modeled. Yes. So I watched you. Like, yes. Mama, I watched what you did. Daddy, I watched what you did. Yes. Are you purposeful in teaching? Like I think about do I actively teach my daughter how to do stuff? Yes. Or does she just watch me do things? Both. I would think both. I think we I are. I should do both. Yes, I think you do both, <laughs> but I think that we do both. I mean, I think, yeah. and and people and colleagues and friends that know us know that our children are with us everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes not, which is nice too, but a, a lot of time they mm-hmm. see what it is we do because they're in the thick of it yeah. and they want to be a part of it. Sometimes they might not want to be a part of it, but I think you learn by doing. And so, yes, I think we are teaching them mm-hmm. um and my daughter in particular teaching her what it means to be a mother mm-hmm. and a working mother with a career who is vested in the work that they do mm-hmm. nine to five but also active in the community and things that mean make a difference to me but also influence the things that they do each yeah. and every day and afford other children, parents, families the opportunity to do things that my children have the fortune to do every day. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a girlfriend, a colleague of mine who is also a working mother who said the same thing. She said, you know, one day I saw my daughter playing in her kitchen when she was little, a toddler, and our daughters are about a year apart. And she said, all of a sudden she went from, you know, fixing her cereal to, oh, I got to go. I've got a meeting. And she grabbed her pretend briefcase and purse and off she was. And she said, oh, my gosh. That's me. Yeah. But it wasn't a bad thing that it was her. It was her daughter showing exactly what she sees demonstrated every day. Mm-hmm. And so for better or worse, that's the lives that we live. And I don't know that I would trade it for much. Yeah. I try to strike the balance mm-hmm. between like appropriate busyness. Yes. Right. And when I need to be present and focused. Uh, I, my, my mom was the one that was working and doing everything well because my dad wasn't around as much. And then... For her, I, she just worked. Like, and all of our life was really shaped around, like, mom has to work, and it's a swing shift, and it's a nurse, and it's 12-hour days, and it's all that. Uh, and, and she didn't go to college. She just went to high school. Uh, and so I, I'm very thoughtful of, like, daddy does a lot of things, but daddy spends time with you. Uh, and I don't take it to as much stuff. Uh, just cause I like it to just be us mm-hmm. and just like, daddy, you know, pe- you always know people, <laughs> you always know people. So yes, sweetie, we go places and daddy says hi. Cause <laughs> daddy knows people. Um, does that, does that bother your kids? Are they cool? Cause everybody knows you and Jeff. Like, is that fine for them when you guys go somewhere and they're all like, and I guess, yeah. And I guess over time they've gotten to know them too. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. They may not even say hi to us, yes. but they're going to say hi to them. I get, so my, when I take my. This is a complete aside. When I go shopping at the Kroger near her mom's house, mm-hmm. and I was like, hey, Samaya. Mm-hmm. And it's like, who was that? It's like a grown person. Yes. I was like, and it's like, who are these people saying, oh, that was the teacher. That was the so-and-so. I was like, I don't know these people. It's like, they know you. That, okay, it's a switch. All right. Yes. <laughs> Sydney and Joseph have a life of their own, and the they are thing. attached to us as well. But I'm fortunate that I have currently, even more so than other jobs prior to this mm-hmm. um supervisors and colleagues who also have families yeah. who value having time with their families mm-hmm. and have been supportive of if i have to pick up a ch- sick child and you know run off or bring them with me at the mm-hmm. end of the day while i'm wrapping up a project um but more than that i think the kids also see that we enjoy what we do 
and they have a chance to enjoy some of what comes with those opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, and then sometimes, yes, they just want their mom or they just want their dad. Yeah. And that's okay too. Um, but I'm fortunate that now more than ever, I'm able to leave. And most of the time after five or after six, whenever I get them, I'm just mom yeah. in the evenings and taking them to their activities and doing whatever it is they need to do. And on the weekends, even more of that. Yeah. Um, and so they enjoy that too. Um, this is the time of year where we literally shut down and there's not a lot of work for anybody. There are no sports to be dragging anyone to. Mm-hmm. Everyone gets a break and everyone gets to breathe and everyone looks forward to it. That's good. Uh, do you, um, I, I've been thinking more about uh, just the, the joy of, of this, mm-hmm. right? Um, I, I hear you saying things like, you know, this is, it's kind of like a privilege. Like this is something special that I get to do what I do and be in the places that I'm in. Mm-hmm. Um, the life you're living now with family and career in this city, is that, is there joy in that? Like, have you shaped life in a way that you're like, yeah, this is. This is good. This is this is about what I want for this time, this season. This is about what I want. Absolutely, my life to be like without a doubt, without a doubt. And I think too, our kids are at a good age now where we can get up and go mm-hmm. and do whatever it is that we need to do and enjoy being in those moments. Yeah. And the fun things that come with each of our respective jobs are fun. Mm-hmm. So to get to earn your living by enjoying what you do every day. Mm-hmm. The few chances I get to speak to college students, I said, you know, no matter what your major is, make sure you wake up every day wanting to go and do the work that you're going to do. Yeah. It's one thing to get a paycheck. It's another thing to actually enjoy getting up and going to work every day mm-hmm. if you have to work. Um, and so I think we're fortunate in doing that. Um, but I've, I've had colleagues turn to me from this current job and prior uh, employment that said when they see posts that I make on social media, they're always so encouraged by how much I enjoy being a mom. Mm -hmm. And so it's nice to see that that shines through as much as the work that we do every day. Yeah. How much of social is that part of your life? Is that a place you go to say, do you you say stuff? Is that a, should people be following you? I don't know that you need to follow me. (laughs) Um, Sometimes I stay really quiet, depending on what mm-hmm. the issue is. I think some in the line of work that I do, sometimes we can be very vocal, and sometimes yeah. it's easier to sit back and listen. Mm. Um, I think the older I get, the more I, the more I try to spend time listening and less time talking. Mm-hmm. I know that's something I probably need to consistently work on. Mm-hmm. I think when you're in a job, oftentimes where you are the one talking and presenting or mm-hmm. doing whatever, that you get so used to doing that, and sometimes you need to stop and just listen. So I'm Stop, trying to be more thoughtful. and listen. Right. That is our one lyric. <laughs> and it's the worst one to pull out. There's probably a better stop, but that's that says a lot about what's in my head. That Stop, collaborate, and listen is the right. lyric that we're dropping today. Uh, where did that, that sensitivity to listen? Mm-hmm. Um, is it one you learned the hard way by missing stuff? Because you said too much and you weren't really hearing? Uh, or, or you got to... Hey, uh, Suge, if you, you sh- hold on real quick, like how did how do you get to the realization? Both. Of- <laughs> Both. Yeah. Yes. But you were open to it. Absolutely. You were open to learn that. I don't have all the answers. How do you? I'm curious how you practice it. Like, is there a way that you know? Like, do you purposely put yourself in places to listen, to hear from, to get perspective, just to like I. I want to learn from you. I want to learn from this community. I want to learn from this place. I want to listen. Yes. 
I try to. Yeah. Um, I know that there are certain areas of interest that I have that I probably don't spend enough time in. Mm-hmm. Uh, arts community is a perfect one. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just a creative community in Richmond as a whole. And I've tried to be more thoughtful in spending more time going to you know, either gallery openings or paying attention to what different organizations are doing and trying to do more of that. Because I know that's an area both for work and for pleasure I need to be more mindful of and know more mm-hmm. of what's going on. Um, it just isn't an area that I necessarily gravitate to all the time. Um, but even with social issues, I think sometimes you just need to put yourself in places that offer a, an opinion or a set of circumstances that are less the life that you live every day. Um, and you learn a lot that way for Richmond. If you were going to caution Richmond, like be careful, Mm -hmm. don't watch that. Be Careful over there. Mm -hmm. If you were going to caution Richmond on something, what would you caution us on? I would say be careful what you say you don't want Mm. on the whole. Mm Mm-hmm. No matter what segment of the community you come from, um, because this city and this region is here for everyone, mm-hmm. and everyone has something to gain from it, whether you know your circumstances are different than mine or or not. Um, and I think change is difficult for mm-hmm. a lot of people, no matter where you are. But change is good too, and change can bring about a lot. For the masses. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not always pretty. It's not always easy to get through. But I think in the 17 years that I've been here and seen the change happen, I'm encouraged to see what other change is on the horizon. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope there's a lot of it. So what's the thing that Richmond, like, not caution, but that, do more of that, that works. You look so good when you do that, Richmond. You do that so well. Like, what's the thing that we're... Where are we killing it right now and really need to do more of it? I think just collaboration. Yeah. Honestly, I think you have a lot of really unique mixes of people doing creative things in the community. Um, and people, again, bringing those different divergent backgrounds together to push forward an initiative, whether mm-hmm. it's for youth, whether it's for education, just thinking outside the box in a way that um, people probably haven't done as much of in the past. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, I think. that's good. I, I part of what I try to do is I try to inject hope into um, these conversations, uh, and for both, I think people themselves, so there's something they can maybe hold on to, but maybe for us as a big collective community, uh, I think those two things give us a little bit of of that. Mm-hmm. Um, if you were gonna give us something to kind of hope in or hope for mm-hmm. uh, as a people, what do you think that would that would be? That's a good question. Um, I think hope that you really are aspiring to be the person that you want to be in this community, to affect the change that you want to, not just talk about it, mm-hmm. but live it, um, myself included. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one thing to give lip service to something. It's another to put action to it and try to move it forward. Yeah. Um, and sometimes that comes with a cost. And yeah. so how, how willing are we to sacrifice pieces and parts of ourselves to move things forward? How do you go through your calculations to determine that cost for yourself to then decide what you will do 
mm-hmm. what you will say mm-hmm. and what you won't do. I think the older I get, the easier it gets. Hmm. Um, to some degree, I think, especially because I'm a mom and because I live that life of wanting to be just mom mm-hmm. or just wife and, or just a Nidra without either of those titles, just my own grown person self <laughs> is because I'm all of those things. Yeah. I was, I was a Nidra before I was Mrs. Bourne. Mm-hmm. I was a Nidra before I was Joseph and Sydney's mother. Um, and trying not to lose that part of myself in the process of being and doing all these things for other people um, is what's really important. Is it, if it, if I lost it all tomorrow, what's the most important? Mm. Myself, my happiness, the happiness of my family. Um, It's great to be afforded amazing opportunities, but at the end of the day, you have to live for the next day. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I think, you lose sight of that getting so busy and trying to be helpful to so many, how much are people appreciating some of what you're trying to do for them? And are they giving you lip service Mm -hmm. to keep you involved or at the table? Or are they actually taking that action and moving things forward? Mm -hmm. Um, And if so, fantastic, I'm completely on board. But if it's constant lip service and you're moving the needle a smidge here or Mm -hmm. two steps forward and five steps back, the time that I have to volunteer away from my family has to be time well spent if it's going to be away from my family. And the older I get and the more things I've attached myself to, the more I realize what's really important. And Mm -hmm. if I'm going to spend two hours at this meeting or volunteering here or volunteering there, is it worth it? And what am I, what am I personally getting out of it? And am I actually seeing things move in a direction? I believe I joined that effort for to begin with. Mm -hmm. Who helps you? Who helps it need you stay at Nidra? Like who you're... I'm working on that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have lots of friends that keep it real yeah. um, that are just a phone call away, um, not here in the area, some here in the area for sure. Um, but I think uniquely we're in this season, a couple girlfriends and I were just talking about this recently, where we might live in the same city, same region, not even far apart. But the life we're living right now as moms and career women mm-hmm. or women working out of in the household and just managing everything. We're almost like an Uber for our kids until they're a few years older and can do it on their own. Mm-hmm. So there are plenty of friends that I don't see nearly as often as I would like. And we have this kind of unspoken rule that we just pick up where we left off mm-hmm. because right now we're all in it. We're all toting the kids to this awards program or this school activity or this swim meet or this lacrosse game because that's just where we are right now. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean that we don't care about each other and want to make time for each other. But right now, sometimes getting the kids where they need to go trumps all the other things. Yeah. And not just moms, but dads too. Um, and so hopefully moving forward, I'll try to be better about making a little bit more time <laughs> for me bit. i make some but it's not it's not always easy and it's okay because it's not this is not going to be the phase of my life forever mm-hmm. but i enjoy it while i have it yeah what do you think the if you can dream and imagine the next phase what do you what do you what do you think you're doing next i don't know i'm pretty happy right now where i am i've got a great team of colleagues to work with um, i enjoy coming and doing what i do every day um, my home life is great. My kids are healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think just seeing the evolution of whatever is to come in all those fronts. Um, but I don't have any complaints. I, I'm, 
I'm blessed to be living this life mm-hmm. right now, even with all its craziness and busyness. Mm-hmm. It's not forever. That's good. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you coming on the podcast, saying some stuff. The office cooled down. I'm much better now. <laughs> I'm so much more comfortable good. than when this whole conversation started. I think I relaxed. I relaxed. Well, good. I took a couple sips of water, eased into it. So it was good. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks again to Anidra for coming on the podcast. If you are not following Venture Richmond, you need to do that. Venture Richmond on social everywhere. VentureRichmond.com. Go check out the cool events that are happening in downtown Richmond. On their website, you can see the 2020 Dominion Energy River Rock lineup that they got announced a few days ago. And there's actually a nice article about Anidra on our Meet Our Team. So go check it out. VentureRichmond.com. Every episode, we highlight some nonprofit or some event that's happening that's tied to some really great mission. And today, we are highlighting the Northside Family YMCA. Anidra is the board chair for the Northside Family Y. It's located over there on Old Brook Road, right beside John Marshall High School. When you go to the website, ymcarichmond.org, click on the locations, go down to the Northside so you can see what's happening over there. They've got a nice virtual tour you can take, so you can see all inside what's happening. You see the see the pool, the basketball courts, and all that stuff. So you can watch the video. And if you're like me, you're trying to figure out what am I gonna do with my kid for the summer? I don't know. Camps, YMCA camps. Look at the schedule. Register your child for a camp over at the YMCA. But go check it out. Doing some really cool things over at the Northside Y. YMCARichmond.org. Go to the locations. Click on Northside and see what's happening. So Anidra's episode is the last one in this season. So we're going to take a little break, come back. I think we're coming back in April. That feels good. Is that, you like that? All right, cool. We'll come back in April, do some more conversations. And as always, I really, really hope that you are taking care of yourself and doing whatever it takes to do that. So finding the places that are good and loving and caring and supportive for you so you can get that help for you caring for yourself and make sure you are caring for other people, taking care of other people, checking on other people, loving on other people, creating space for other people. Let's make sure that we do that. All right. This is the 40 Lessons Podcast. My name is Todd B. Waldo. Thanks so much for tuning in this season. And we'll see you soon for another season right here. 40 Lessons. That's it. Easy. All right. That was good. Like Sunday morning. <laughs> see, that should have been, see, that's a good one. That's a much better than what the vanilla ice of all things. Easy Sunday morning. Mono Richie Commodores. That was better. <laughs>